it's Chris Wendelkin, and this is On the Line, my NBA podcast, where I talk to friends of mine living around the country about all things hoops. If you're new to the show, you can tweet at us at OnTheLine underscore pod. Find us on Instagram. Uh, check out previous episodes of the show at OnTheLinePodcast.com. Hop into a deep dive. Check out a draft. It's all there. Last, if you could rate, review, subscribe to the show on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. I greatly appreciate it. All right, coming up, we got Ben Craw on the show. This was a really fun uh, freewheeling conversation with Ben um, we are going to touch on a whole <laughs> bunch of different things. So uh, I'll just let you dive into it. Here it is, the chat with the one, the only Ben Kroc. All right, live from his basement in Philadelphia, Ben Kroc's on the line. That's right, uh, baby. I'm you back. See the, Knicks, the, the Knicks just beat the Spurs for their first win at home since December the 1st of 2018. Um, how are you? How's everything going? Um, I am doing great. I, uh, yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I think like you, you know, a little loosey-goosey tonight. Um, loosey-goosey, yeah. Yeah, this is sort of a, a late-night jam sesh for us. Um, Love it. And uh, I'm ready to uh, I'm ready to talk some fucking hoops, man. Yeah, um, same, same, I, same. I love these hoops. I can't get enough of them, <laughs> and I want to talk about it with uh, with my buddy Chris. I know. I, I want to talk to you about hoops. I want to talk to you about your weekend. I mm-hmm. know. I feel like we should begin first <laughs> with. Um, I want to begin first on a personal note with your weekend. I, I understand you had a, you had a, a lovely dinner with your wife on Saturday yeah. with some friends. Yeah, it was really nice. So uh, so yeah, this past weekend, you know, so my um, you know regular listeners of the show. Um, by the way, sh- shout out to all of our our regular uh, old time and and yeah. and new listeners uh love the yep. listeners keep them coming uh tell yep. your friends um but as listeners may know i uh, my wife and i moved to philadelphia just this past november um in fact it was the same day that jimmy butler uh moved to philadelphia um because it was the uh, literally the same day that he was traded to the team um but um sort of um 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 unrelated to that uh we so you know we um Last night was Saturday night, so we decided to have a nice little adult night. Got the babysitter, um, you know, uh, hired for the night, and uh, I met up with some uh, some close friends who kind of live in the area, and uh, one of whom knows a guy um, who's like sort of in the restaurant business, so he was able to secure. Um, you know, like a, a a reservation. I wouldn't say like the you know the highest of the of the of the uh, fine dining um, in Philadelphia, but you know like a pretty nice restaurant. Nice um, place. Yeah, nice place. A, a pretty a pretty quality spot. We were excited uh, to go there and have a nice meal. Special um, night. Special night. You get yes. the babysitter. You and you and your wife just want to. Hey, let's just let's just have an uh, an us night tonight. Let's see some friends. Let's just right. let's just have let's a put back. Yeah, you know, and I was and I was actually kind of excited to sort of like turn off the phone for the evening, you know, like uh, uh, you know, turn off the, the basketball, the scores, the stats, you know, that I, that I normally kind of consume my night with, um, and just kind of enjoy the company of friends, the company of my lovely wife, um, and kind of savor that, you know, that personal connection. Recharge the battery a little bit. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. have a nice meal. Also, you know, open a bottle or two of wine. It's hey. great. It's great to connect with friends over a bottle of wine as as we as we as we know from uh, from 
from JJ and David Solomon, <laughs> from the, the Goldman Sachs CEO, CEO of Goldman Sachs. Um, great lesson that they imparted. Uh, if you guys haven't listened to um, to that uh, JJ Reddick David Solomon Can't podcast, recommend it highly enough. Stop this podcast and go listen to that one first. Anyway, uh, getting back to my evening, you know, we had this nice meal. It was at a um, uh, sort of a Middle Eastern style restaurant, uh, actually very close to where we live in, in the Fishtown neighborhood of Philadelphia. Um, and, uh, and yeah, we were, uh, you know, we were having a great night. It's like an hour or two into the meal. We're really taking our time savoring, you know, we did like the sort of tasting menu. So they brought out a whole bunch of stuff. Um, lots of things to share for the table, yada, yada. So about halfway through the evening, um, I suddenly sort of hear like, so we're situated in this table. It's a pretty large restaurant. It kind of like goes deep back into like a sort of second uh area like, like larger a room, room kind of thing right um yeah. you know we, we weren't like the high rollers in the place so we had kind of a, a table up uh closer to the entrance of the restaurant um and so we were sitting there and i kind of hear this like sudden like like din kind of like fall behind me and i'm like oh what's going on so i like turn around and i see two gentlemen uh with their backs to me um and it was like one of those like kind of like bang bang like like mental things where I was like, holy shit, those are two really tall dudes. And then within, I don't know, ha- less than a half a second, I realized, oh, that's best friends Boban Marjanovic and Tobias <laughs> Harris of the Philadelphia 76ers standing 15 feet from me. Incredible. Um, yeah, in the same restaurant that I'm dining at. So, uh yeah, just one of those uh, kind of magical moments. Uh, so give me a little sense of the ambiance of the place. Is it a, is it a crowded restaurant? Oh, yeah, it it's a packed place, place on a Saturday packed. night. Like I said, okay. like we were not, uh, if it weren't for this, you know, little friend of a friend connection, we would not have been eating there uh, on that particular evening. It would have been, you know, it's a type of place that's like, you know, takes a few, probably like a few months waiting list on like a weekend night. Oh, wow. You know, you can maybe okay. sneak, you can sneak in there and like dine at the bar, you know, right. on like a weeknight or you whatever. you like a proper table, you're going to have to like wait a couple months to get a reservation or Pro- Probably, yeah. If it's like okay. a Saturday night, yeah. Great. But and it's also to, in, like, it's not, like, downtown Philadelphia. Right. You know, it's in Fishtown, which is, like, sort of yeah. off the beaten path. It's, like, you know, honestly, it's, like, a 20-minute drive from uh, from um, whatever the name of the stadium, the arena, the, the Sixers play oh, at. from Wells Fargo. Um, from Wells Fargo, yeah. I want to say Lincoln okay. Financial, but that's the football field. Anyway, um, yeah, it's, like, not exactly, like you know, the, the, the main strip of the city, um, where so they, you would expect they, like uh, Tobias and Boban they're uh, we're thinking they're on a blog, like they're just going through the blogs. They're trying to find something artsy, a little different, but like, what's a hip place. Yeah. And, and, and so they've really staked out this, this, this joint. I and have to question, imagine. Yeah. My question for you is, do, does everyone in the restaurant know who has just walked in? Are you, are you, do you feel like you're the only one who knows that who these guys are? Or is there a general sense that like everyone knows those are two star players from the Sixers right there? There's definitely like a pretty obvious, like immediate, like, you know, people are like a couple guys like approach them yeah. and there's like a couple photos people are being eyeballing taken. each other. I was, like, I was not yeah. one of those people. It's not really my style um, to, um, to, you know, kind of like bum rush any sort of celebrity um that i happened to uh to see in in person um so i just kind of like slyly like took some snapped some photos with my phone like a weirdo from like two tables away um but uh yeah you know it's funny like there's like a little part of me that almost wishes i didn't have that like that like shame gene where like it i would probably have like a much probably like cooler life and like better stories to tell if i just like 
didn't give a shit and like didn't care about like bothering people when they're trying to like have dinner and stuff. But it's just yeah, it's not in me. So I uh, I'm I'm literally the exact same yeah. way, the same person where I'm just kind of like God that that would just be so miserable and like, yeah, really it's really I just can't get over my own sense of shame. It's just right, like right. like who like what kind of an asshole do you really want to be at the end of the day? Yeah. Um, so I played it I played it cool, but yeah, I mean certainly like. Uh, you know, I was with a, a mixed uh, kind of company table, and and I'd yeah. say like you know half of the people were like, oh my god, that, look who that is, and then the other half were sort of like, whoa, he's really tall. Did um, anyone from your table break out the autograph book, run up, ask? For no, an no, no, no. I mean, there were definitely like a couple guys who who were like big enough fans that they were like, oh shit, check that out, and like were like, you know, I wouldn't say as excited as me because I was extremely, extremely excited, yeah. um, and yeah. actually kind of had to like. Uh, it was a, it was a bit of a, str- it was a struggle honestly to like to like not look like a complete weirdo um, uh-huh. and like make a scene, um, right. but uh, but but yeah, I would say you know most of the restaurant was like oh shit yeah we know who those guys are they're like you know two of our star players, uh, especially one of them being a seven foot three um, yeah you know abnormal uh, sized human being. Um, so have you ever seen? I mean, I'm trying to th- like have you ever seen someone who's seven foot or seven foot tall or or in Boban's case seven foot three tall have you ever like like I mean have you been to like a pro basketball game and seen someone that tall like that close um yes uh so there's two there's sort of two answers to that question I have been to a basketball game um one of which in fact the very first of which was uh my initial uh journey to Madison Square Garden in 1994 where the Knicks played the Washington then Bullets uh, which at that time rostered a one George Murison, who was oh, of course, oh, wow. yeah. yeah. Uh, as, as listeners of Fan our of trees, pod, trees sure. podcast know, yeah. uh, seven foot seven, the tallest human I've ever seen in person by far. Um, but but Boban is certainly the tallest I've ever seen, kind of like in the wild, like outside the, the confines of a of you know a basketball court where you would expect to see a person that tall. And it was definitely like striking. It, um, I mean, like Tobias Harris is six foot nine, I believe. And he was standing right next to him, which is a gigantic height. Six foot nine is would normally ridiculous. be the tallest person I've ever seen in my life. I, and, there's no one in my life that's six foot nine. There's yeah. no one. You know what I mean? Like uh, I, I have some six foot four friends, and even those people feel like monsters. Six sure. foot nine seems absurd. It's much less seven foot three. Yeah, yeah. It's like one percent of the population or less. So um, doesn't surprise me that you don't know anyone. Um, yeah. So so yeah, it was um yeah, it was pretty cool. It was the first time I've seen a basketball player outside of a basketball game that I attended um uh since 1990 uh 1995, I want to say, when I was an 11-year-old. No, wait. Shit, when was that? That might have been the summer of 94. Or maybe even no, you know what it was? It was the summer of 93. I was 11 years old. I was in the Denver airport. And my cousins and I were on a trip um, with our grandma, and we were just sitting randomly in an airport, and we spotted David Robinson. No. Um, and no. yeah, and so when you're 11 years old, that whole like shame thing that like had not uh, you apply. know matured yeah. in my in my body yet. So I uh, right. definitely went up to him and got David Robinson's autograph, and he was very cool. Um, so, but yeah, it's crazy. Since then, I've never seen. I mean, I guess it's not that crazy. I don't know if you've ever seen a basketball player uh, randomly in your. I life. mean, the close. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been to NBA games. I, the the closest I've ever I've ever been to a, a, a NBA player like playing on the court was at summer league this mm. summer when uh, 
Matt and Lucas and Nate and I mm -hmm. managed to finagle our way to courtside seats. Right, right. And uh, yeah, to see those guys up close and personal is it, they're just like you know specimens. What what was the? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the uh, the dinner itself? Like the conversation? Did you did you peek over at any point? Like I did not. Again, I I, I wish I I had a little bit more weirdo creep in yeah. me and um and had like you know lurked a little bit more. I didn't even you know I sh I should have at least you know, gone to the bathroom and like kind of like walked by and like taking a peek. I didn't even do that. I don't know why. I just like yeah. kind of was like, I don't know, whatever. It, it's it, tough, man. I don't it, know what the move is there. Did, you know, did Kate send over like a tiramisu? Did, <laughs> did anyone like, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know like what, what the appropriate thing is. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, yeah. I wish I had at least like, like left a little napkin with like my phone number, you know, sure, so, something, sure. something like something subtle like that, you know, something kind of like just put the ball in their court. Yeah. You like, know, big fan. Just I'm not expecting fan, anything. <laughs> Yeah. But listen, if you happen if to you like... you guys want to take this any further, you let me know. Yeah. We, you know, we can do some apps um, or something. Yeah. But also, you know, I think a lot of the, the my kind of like um, hesitance um, was because of the fact that like... So the two of them... So, you know, the whole like Bobby and Toby thing, like, I, I don't think that's like a commercial like, you know, gimmick. Like, I'm pretty sure these dudes are just fucking best pals. Um and I and I feel more confident saying that because they showed up to this restaurant on a Saturday night, just the two of them. And like, I can't say for certain if like someone else didn't like later than like you know some whatever like agent or someone like less famous like maybe came and met them at some point later. But I don't think so. I kind of got the sense that it was just the two of them that the Sixers played an early game at home uh, that afternoon, yesterday afternoon. They had like a one o'clock game. They lost uh, uh, against the Blazers, I think. And um, but it was like, you know, it's like Saturday night. Like, what are your plans? Like, oh, these two guys who are best friends are gonna just go and have a nice, quiet meal together. And like, I don't know, you know why. I don't know why. It's but kind of it incredible. It doesn't totally surprise me that they would be friends. Yeah, like they both do kind of fit the bill. Yeah, you know, like Tobias. They're the perfect like odd couple. They both seem like genuinely good dudes. Yeah, totally. I think like that's like the starting point for their friendship. And for sure. I don't know, man. I, I just think they're like genuinely nice guys and they like, you know, they see that in each other and I don't know, they just hit it off. Yeah, and I and I also have to imagine that by now they've been traded uh, together to three, two, yeah, they've been two different times. Different, they've so been that, in three different cities. They've yeah. been in Detroit with the Clippers and now with the Sixers. So right. there's some kinship there. They're always yeah. traded together. I feel like that bond has to be, you know, just so deep at this point. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it just really warms my heart. It was, like, so... It was just, like, it made me so happy, honestly. Not, like, to see... Like, to see one of those guys in person would be really cool, but just to actually, like, witness the two of them together, like... You know, just be like, oh, it's real. Like the friendship, the love is real. Like it made me so happy to see that. Um, it is kind of hard. Like outside of like many, a fucking YouTube know. video, you know, like not like some like, you know, clearly like, uh, like kind of programmed or, or um, you know, choreographed thing. thing. Yeah. I don't know how many of those relationships we necessarily have in the NBA today, which is probably also what's really cool about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like in the 90s, those relationships existed more where they like you could just be friends with someone and there wasn't some sort of like, commercial enterprise opportunity it wasn't like a business deal that was mm -hmm. like beneath it it was just mm -hmm. like no we're just genuinely buddies yeah um yeah, yeah so that's yeah that, so it was very cool. cool yeah they were they were both looking fly to boban hat on a uh, a goose down jacket um saw that yeah you the, sent me a uh, photo yeah with that little patch which i believe i actually learned this from the uh Giannis documentary um the finding Giannis doc um 
like that little like uh orange patch on like is like a sign that it's like you know genuine goose down or whatever and is like extremely expensive so um proud proud to say the bobon was rocking that and he looked great oh yeah i hope those guys had a great meal i hope that they enjoy the restaurant um you know i hope that my that that my now my home city was able to to kind of like uh you know do do them proud and uh that they had a nice evening together so what's the uh, while while we're on the topic of the Sixers, what's what do you feel like is the mood and the temperature of this like the the fan base and how are people in Philadelphia <sighs> feeling about the Sixers these days? They they made the big trade at the deadline, of course, acquiring Tobias and yeah. Boban, yeah, and have signed a bunch of guys kind of on vet minimum deals, yeah, um, to sort of you know, fill in some of these stopgap uh, holes and they, they traded Markel to, to the Magic. Right. What's the, what's the, what, what's the mood? What, what are people thinking about the Sixers right now? I mean, I would have to call it optimistic, but very antsy. Like, mm-hmm. I think yesterday's performance was not very encouraging. Obviously, they didn't have Embiid, um, who's now out uh, for a right. full week. Which is a little concerning since it's the knee, you know, that that obviously de- uh, derailed his uh, rookie season, the same knee. Um, and, you know, all reports indicate that he's just, you know, taking some time off for load management, quote unquote, and he'll be back. Right. But there's a little part of you that's kind of like, shit, I really hope this doesn't linger into a longer than a week. Um, so I think everyone's kind of holding their breath until he comes back, um, understandably, because they're not a very good team i guess even if they have three almost superstars without him um he's still pretty goddamn important to the team yeah he's so. the best he's the best player on the team right oh yeah 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 by far i mean ben I simmons even, is a I, pretty close second but they're not yeah they're like without him i don't even think that's debatable anymore i think yeah. at one point last year there was probably an argument about that but i think at this, right. i mean this point he has been like mvp level oh yeah good. he's he, absolutely he just critical. does so much for the team so yeah obviously it's a little concerning that he's out for the next week but beyond that so let's say let's say he returns healthily in i don't know 10 days two weeks whatever it is do you feel like the city is optimistic about the team going forward or i don't know man i i I, I, I watched that uh, the Sixers-Celtics game, whatever it was, on TNT a week ago, right before the All-Star game. Yeah. And I can't help feeling like the Celtics are in the Sixers' head a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit of a, like a Cleveland-Toronto thing almost where yeah. it's they, they have to get over some kind of hump. And maybe they'll get over it in the playoffs this year, but they haven't gotten over it yet. And It's happened enough at this point and on a like a a big stage enough where it's like, okay, this is kind of a thing now yeah. because, and especially because the Celtics have played them a few times without Kyrie. Right. Right. And obviously last year in the playoffs, Kyrie wasn't there and they still lost. Yeah. And it was, so they have that that psychological edge. Aaron Baines took it to Embiid last year in the playoffs. Um, yeah, but there's something about Baines and Horford Baines where Baines didn't even play this uh, this past game on right. the on the t- in the TNT game, whatever it was, two weeks ago, ten days ten days ago. So it there just seems to be some sort of like I said psychological edge. I don't I don't really know what it is. Yeah, but um, it's I, it's it's curious because the Sixers have all the talent in the world. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, I don't know yeah. if someone's written an article, probably someone has by now, but I would love to like study some kind of tape or read some analysis of like what exactly it is that Al Horford does. Because um, obviously Al Horford's a great player, but I don't think anyone would argue that he's on the same level as Embiid. But there's some, there's some, he's so crafty and, and just experienced as you know a, a vet, veteran center that he just like 
knows how to how to play Embiid and does things, I guess, that other uh, centers that he faces do, like doesn't do. I don't know exactly what it is, but yeah, there's something about Horford that really, really bothers Embiid, and that's very concerning for sure. Have you watched much of the Sixers since they had uh, since they acquired Tobias? I honestly haven't, um, and it's. Uh, you know, like you think like, oh yeah, you moved to the city. Um, you'd probably watch like all their games now, but because I'd now live in the zip code, the, the league, home city. Yeah. yeah the, the league, league pass, uh, doesn't, Dude, this is doesn't my come issue through. With the Knicks. Yeah. This is my issue with the Knicks. I've watched so many more on, like Reddit streams. Dude, I'm watching Knicks games all the time now. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. I'm watching tons of New York Knicks basketball. Yep. This is my case. I watch the Sixers all the time. Yeah. And no Sixers Knicks, basketball. No, they're pulling up these like shady streams. Yeah. It's, there's something, I don't know what it is about. I'm going to have to go on like a whole tangent about Reddit, but even though like it's still like two clicks to get to like NBA Reddit and like click on the right, like buff streams link or whatever, there's still something about it where you're just like, ugh, do I have to do this? Like, right. it's so it much easier. Like last case, in, like last resorts. Yeah. And like every time you pause it, you have to like close out the page and restart it again. It's like just a little bit more annoying than using uh, the NBA to, uh, app. Um, it's such a stupid problem to complain about, but <laughs> I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. It's like, ah, oh, goddamn! Uh, do I really have to close out yeah, this tab over here? Yeah, Ugh, exactly. This I really is inconvenient as yeah. I stream this like game onto yeah, like, my as I have access to anything I want TV. at any time for free. I'm gonna I'm gonna find something to complain about. All right, well, that's the Sixers. How how else are we feeling about the state of uh, the NBA and Man, the Eastern Conference? It is it is wild. So is it just me or does it feel like? Like the NBA All Star, I know they moved the trade deadline up this season mm-hmm. before, but the All Star game is the same time than it as it always has been, right? Yes. There's something so. about the season where it feels like suddenly the All Star break he- finished, uh-huh. and it was like, oh shit, we're at the end of the we're season, the pr- pretty much. Like yeah, this is yeah, like yeah. the final sprint. Um, yep. And it suddenly feels like very compact and very every single game feels very very critical. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just paying closer attention, or maybe the the races are a little bit closer. Like the, you know, um, but but yeah, everything just feels very very intense and fraught. And I, for one, uh, as a fan, I just can't get enough. It's, it's incredible. Well, I, it's like the playoffs yeah. have already started practically. I think the NBA feels more transactional than ever. Like trades are. Uh, part of it is I, I, I'm just like riffing here, but it seems like players are voicing their uh, dissatisfaction or their opinions more and more. So people are like vocalizing their desire to be traded like sure. more than ever. So oh, it yeah. seems like, it seems like, you know, when, when did Jim, so Jimmy Butler got traded the day that you moved to Philly, which was in November, November 9th, uh, 2018, I believe at it was. This, yeah. And at this point that trade doesn't, I mean, it was a big trade when it happened, but now when you look at like the totality of all the trades that have happened so far this season, like oh, it feels ages ago. Yeah, it feels ages ago, and it's probably I don't know, like the fifth most important trade that's happened or something. You know what I mean? Totally. It just feels like so long ago. Yeah. So I think like the nature of the league is that like we are constantly, it's just constantly like evolving and moving so fast and you know one day anthony davis decides he wants to be traded so that's Mm -hmm, a whole new narrative mm -hmm. and we've become so consumed in these storylines regarding like players changing teams and rosters being remade and teams deciding now it's time to tank or now it's time to clear uh salaries off the books to to create free agent cap space and um it seems like that has become such a big narrative theme in the league that has almost like become 
as important as the games itself that like before you know it, like you're so immersed in like all these like trade rumors and, mm-hmm. all, you know, like all, all these stories that before you know it, like we're suddenly at the all-star game, we're at the, the trade deadline. And then it's like, yeah, now there are 20 games to go. We're trying to decide who's going to, you know, get the last few seeds in the East and the West. And then that's it. You know? Right. There's like this exponential, like, uh, like acceleration almost where like the game, you know, it's almost like, uh, I don't know, this is a weird kind of like parallel to draw, but like as you age as a human, you, you know, each year becomes a smaller percentage of your life. And it feels like that with like each week of the NBA season suddenly feels like shorter and faster and like, Oh shit, we're already here. Oh, Oh, now we're already here because of, you know, the, the kind of like uh accelerated kind of, uh, I don't know, time timeline, I guess. Um, yes. So it all feels like a little bit like even like, like the same, you know, p- duration of time will feel shorter uh, than it did in the beginning of the season. I also think rosters are also just like, they're just, the oh, everything's up in the air. Evolving, so yeah. like, the Sixers are the perfect example of this where they're like, they're trying to integrate these major pieces. They're trying to integrate Tobias Harris and Boban yeah. uh, in, in Mike Scott games yeah. right. in, o- over the course of 20 games now where it's like, they're, these are major cogs in your team and you're going to be, I don't know, the fourth or the third, the third or fourth seed or the fifth seed in the Eastern conference. And you're trying to integrate these major, major pieces with 20 games to go. Yeah. It's like, they and, haven't even actually integrated like, you know, six or veteran Jimmy Butler yet. Like they just right. kind of like forgot it, but they like moved on <laughs> and now they have to like, well, no, now we have to focus on these new guys. It's like, dude, he's only three months old himself. Yeah. It's crazy. Crazy, yeah. crazy, crazy. Yeah. It's nuts. Um, so wait, before we go any further, we have to discuss a game that I did not watch, but you just did watch. I mean, I watched Which the last is, three minutes. Oh, so. uh, okay. Well, yeah. yeah. Knicks and Spurs. Uh, so the New York Knicks have just beaten a legitimate playoff team. Crazy. For the, for the first time, I don't know. I mean, when is the last time they beat like a good team? I know they beat the Hawks uh, right before the break. Listen, all I can tell you is that this was the, the, the 12th win for the Knicks. Right. The Knicks have 12 wins on the season, including this victory tonight, Sunday night against the Spurs. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I'm a little, I, if you asked me like a couple of months ago, how I would have felt about this, I would have probably been pretty pissed because I, I am, I am like solely devoted to them being one of right. the three worst teams in the league for, for lottery odds. But I, th- I think at this point that's feeling pretty safe. So um, they have to win some games, and if they have to win some games, it is kind of cool when they beat a good team, you know, yeah. or like a, at least like a playoff level team. Um, and uh, there was an, there were a few epic plays. Um, Dennis Smith Jr. had a pretty spectacular uh, missed dunk uh, driving down the paint. He like tomahawk. He like cocked back for this ridiculous tomahawk and tried to throw it down. I think on Lamarcus, uh, but it clanked off the back of the rim. But there was a play in the final minute of the game once that once the game was sealed, where he stole the ball, uh, just raced down the court, tossed it off the glass, and Mitchell Robinson just jammed it down, and uh, everyone in Madison Square Garden went ecstatic. So. So can we talk a little bit about Mitchell Robinson? He played, I'm looking at his line now. He played 30 minutes tonight. He, did he start over DeAndre was out, right? Uh, DeAndre was out. Yeah. DeAndre sat. Played 30 minutes, shot five of seven from the field, five of seven for, from the line, uh, for a total of 15 points. Um, he 
got 14 total rebounds, six of which were offensive rebounds, um, one assist, and five blocked shots. (laughs) That's a lot. Five. So his last, uh, let's see here. His last, I'm going to count his last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, his last eight games, he blocked two shots, three shots, three, two, four, four, three, five. Yeah, I mean my my <laughs> my initial impression of the guy is like when you just if you just flick on the TV and watch him play for a minute, he is really like a pogo stick. Yeah. Like he he is very tall, he is very lean, he has ridiculously long arms. Yeah. He swats a lot of shots and if you can throw it towards the rim, he is going to catch it and throw it down in pretty spectacular fashion. Um, so he's a fun watch. Yeah, he's a, he's definitely you, a fun watch. Do you mind if I say something completely extreme and ridiculous? I want you to. Um, M- Mitchell Robinson is, I don't know. <sighs> All right. Go ahead. Maybe, Go ahead. maybe I don't want to say my favorite player, wow. but he's like, he's my favorite slash player I'm most excited about. Since. Um, since. <laughs> Go ahead. Patrick Ewing. <laughs> wow. I mean, wow. okay. I need. To, let me break me, this down for you. Yeah, talk um, that out. Talk that out for me. All right. So he's rostered on your fantasy team. So yeah. I mean, listen. That's like you. You know, I'm not gonna lie. That's probably like 10 percent of it. Maybe. No, maybe, but like, no, maybe five percent. But it's not negligible. Speaks, that speaks to the emotional component too. Yeah. Because yeah. like. What, what you're really doing by sec because you're a very savvy fantasy basketball GM, so it's like oh, you, wouldn't, you. you wouldn't have someone on your team if they weren't contributing in a very valuable way. So, yeah, so and with a certain, like, with a certain uh, you know, like trend line pointing a certain direction as well, um, which, you know, I say I don't want to jinx anything. My fingers are crossed. I'm knocking on wood. I'm very uh, superstitious, so, you know. Right, right, right. So he makes sense having on your team to begin mm-hmm. with, but point being is, like, you are really charting and tracking this guy's progress i'm invested on a, on a deep level yeah yeah um, yeah so there's that part of it but so talk that, to yeah. me about like what it is about his game that you love so much what's so exciting about him that you would uh that i mean he's the most exciting guy since ewing for you i like you um i think block shots is my favorite statistic in in the game of basketball um i don't know why exactly i've, try, I've tried to explain it probably on past episodes but there's something about a block shot um that just does it for me like an offensive rebound is maybe my second favorite uh statistical category which uh obviously Mitchell Robinson is also absolutely elite um and putting up insane numbers in um so you know he's a rookie I know that there's a very good chance he could be traded this offseason for fucking Anthony Davis or something who knows um I don't want to get too far ahead of myself but like there's also something about you know, if I when I'm making that claim that I just made earlier, um, the other players that are like in my head that I'm weighing him against are another Robinson, Nate Robinson, who of course we just recently interviewed on this podcast. Um, but there was something about watching him where, it, even though I loved him and he was like so entertaining and so like thrilling to to see in the moment, there was like something like a little bit like. Well, I know this is very fleeting. This doesn't matter. Um, you know, he's he's a great player. He's super fun to watch, but he's not a franchise changer. This team is terrible. They're not going anywhere. Um, there's nothing really to get, like, excited about, like, on a deeper level other than just, like, the immediate aesthetics of his game. Whereas with Robinson, 
there's something where you're like watching like this incredible aesthetic surface thing, but then you're also like fantasizing about the potential like long-term development. This dude is 20 years old. He didn't even play organized basketball last season. Like what more can he, like he's already putting up 15 and 14 with five blocks against the Spurs. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, again, I'm not sure. I'm getting flashbacks of, like, when we were raving about him in Summer League. Do you remember that episode in my apartment in Brooklyn? Um, where I was, like, busting out his, like, you know, PER stats and shit. Um, so, like, but, I mean, it's real now. If nothing else, like, if it doesn't last, whatever. Maybe, you know, he'll, like, Jeremy uh, Lin us and, and, like, you know, disappear into the uh, ether in, like, f- three months. But... Um, but for right now it's, it's extremely exciting. And then there's also like the kind of feeling of the, of the team, which is like, this is a team that could be, you know, depending on what happens, obviously like the, in this upcoming most important summer in franchise history, quote unquote, um, uh, this is like a guy that could, you know, be, be like pretty significant and important. Um, and he's awesome. And his name is Mitchell and uh, he wears number 26, which is a really cool number. Not many players wear. That's a good um, He's very tall. He can like run from like the half court to like the paint in like two steps. Um, he also wears, he wears a headband. And yeah, we love we the headband. Seen, we've also seen photos of him wearing a headband with goggles. Oh my God. The one thing, the so one you thing. you want to talk about that? Yeah. If I could have one, I, I don't want to ask for much. I know Mitchell has already given us so much, but if uh-huh. there's one thing more that that i could have it would, would be, be the goggles, goggles in in the game in the game yeah because yeah, I, yeah. I guess he maybe he was just wearing them at practice for some reason right um, i don't know why and uh, just quick quick question so do you want are, are you looking for goggles with the elastic uh band or do you want uh actual like glasses with like the like plastic frames no i want the <laughs> I want the exact look that he had in that photo from the practice yeah. uh, that like Nick's PR like put on Twitter. Um, yeah. I want the headband with the goggles. They're like they're not quite. They're not like like the old school like white Horace Grant like 1993 goggles, but they're also like way better than like the Horace Grant like 2000 <laughs> Lakers goggles, which were just like those weird like kind of no rim uh, like you know like too cool like. I don't know they were like trying to like look all like like Oakleys or whatever like yeah. and looked ridiculous and stupid. Right. Uh, no, no, Mitchell's goggles. If you if you haven't seen him, like look it up on Twitter. I don't know how you would ever even search that, but um, uh, but yeah, like honestly, that exact photo is what I want to see in every game. Um, but yeah, this dude is awesome. I don't know really what more to say. I don't want to like you know jinx anything here, but uh, he's pretty incredible. And I don't yeah, I don't know. I mean. Marcus Camby and Latrell Sprewell were really cool, um, obviously, in 1999. Um, that was, you know, post, or I guess not, wasn't post Ewing, but like right around the time that Ewing was fading away. But I mean, I don't know. Who else is, has there been for you? Obviously, Chris Tapps is like the other one. Uh, like maybe Mitchell will be my Chris Tapps. And when he's traded in four years for like cap space, I'll right. have, we'll have another episode like the one we had a, a month ago. And, and you'll yeah. be, you'll be, you know, consoling you consoling me instead yeah i mean yeah i i i I never i never know what the knicks you know what i mean like i i tread so lightly with the knicks because they always seem to break my heart um but goddamn if they trade him i might be yeah it might be like like this is like the level of emotional investment that i haven't had with this team in 20 years and like yeah now i'm starting to worry a little bit yeah i mean (laughs) yeah I, i while we're on the topic of the knicks i should say 
you know, I've probably come full circle on that trade a little bit. Oh, yeah? Have you? I, I mean, well, he, here here's where I'm at with the trade and thinking back on the uh, Chris Stapps podcast that we did. Um, I still... So I feel that you're 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 right basically. <laughs> um y- you're you're right. You won you won the podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the point, Chris. No. That was not uh, the point. No, you The won. only way I can be you right won. is if is is, is nope. if you took care of yourself and felt nope. better afterwards. You're better than me. You're, no, you won. No, no, no. Uh, so um I think that I think that I think ultimately um you know, I think ultimately listen, I think there were two separate arguments. Uh, and that's where I think like s- some things maybe got lost with the way people reacted to the trade. And the two separate things are this: one is, look, if 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 anybody, if someone doesn't want to play for the Knicks and they at and they're adamant about that and they voice their displeasure and they don't want to pl- they don't want to be a Nick long term, right? Then you're right, you're right. Fuck it, like trade them. Like if yeah. you want to play, if you don't want to play for the Knicks. I, I shouldn't have to convince you that you should want to be a Nick. Yeah. So if you don't want to be here, then yeah, then the Knicks did the right thing by trading him. Yeah. And and when you consider that, you know, they cleared off a bunch of bad salary cap, uh, you know, some some bad contracts. By the way, which they signed. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, know, of w- course w- they were they were fixing their own stupid fucking which, mistakes. Yeah, like uh, 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 which is you know Steve Mills's uh, uh, yeah, Scott Tim Hardaway Steve Mills's fault. Yeah, so. Yeah. You know, like, uh, but whatever. They got off some bad contracts, and they acquired two future first-round picks, both of which are, you know, great things and, and wonderful assets. So yeah. that that that's one thing. The other thing is uh, this, and this is probably where I have, like, bigger issues with the trade. Mm. I am not really excited about, like, pinning my hopes on the Knicks spending money in free agency to, like, save the team. Yeah. Um, like, in, in my personal opinion, there's never... There, there isn't, like, a great track record of the Knicks spending wisely on free agent saviors. That's um, true. Although, when you say that, what... Really, what uh, situations have... Other than the summer of 2010, that's kind of the mm-hmm. only time they've ever been in this okay. level of yeah. a situation, right? Yes. So I will. I will. Another way to put it is like this: I don't have confidence in Nick's management and and the track record of Nick's management acquiring via free agency or trade high priced. Uh, uh, f- uh, veteran talent on big money contracts to come in and save the team. So whether it's Stefan Marbury, whether it's Steve Francis, whether yeah. it's uh, uh, Mari Stoudemire, whether it's Zach Randolph, uh, you know, whether it was Glenn Rice, whether it was Vin Baker, there's there's a a storied rich history of um you know between uh uh tracy mcgrady of guys yeah, you know yeah, either know. being signed or traded to the knicks on big money deals and and the narrative was always fed to us now that we have this guy you know it's this is the guy that's going to save the team and bring the knicks back yeah and nine times out of ten that doesn't work but um or in their case ten times out of ten yeah exactly <laughs> um yeah yes. no it's i i obviously i get all that i know the history i know all the names yeah. it just feels i don't know maybe i'm a f- stupid naive idiot but I, it just feels different in that there's not like they don't have like a little space they're gonna try to like swing big and get like a guy who used to be good four years ago i mean maybe that'll happen i don't know but like 
uh, I don't know. It's, you know, you can't analyze anything until it actually yeah. happens, but I just feel like they've never been in this, they never had this level of space with that, with this level of talent out there. Like, there are no Stefan Marbury's on the market, you know? Like, they're, like, I don't know. Maybe maybe they'll be dumb and, like, you know, spend some money on, you know, one of the second or third tier guys. Um, I hope they don't do that. I, I guess if they don't land, like, Durant and Kyrie or Kawhi or whoever, um, like, there's not really um, much to do next next summer. There's, like, not a huge um, free agent class. and But, you know, you can use cap space in other ways. You can um, bring on guys, you know, mid-season and in big trades. You know, you can do... There's different things you can do with it. You can use it in... I don't know, like... Um, send it to other teams and, and packages and stuff. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, I that's know I'm naive. I, that's where, that's probably where I'm most nervous. Yeah, that's probably where I'm most nervous. So like, let's say, uh, Kyrie Durant and Kawhi Leonard all decide they don't want to play for the Knicks. Right. Then, then I'm getting really nervous what they yeah. do with that yeah. space. Yeah. Yeah. Because the Knicks have are the Knicks are one of those teams that's like very PR and marketing focused. Yeah. And I could easily see them just being like panicky and being like, uh, we traded Porzingis. <sighs> we 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 got to make good on this space. I mean, and that's the thing. They really did fucking back themselves into a corner with this one. Like of all it's not like a problem. It's not a problem. Like yeah. I think your point is a good one. Like if they're disciplined and they make good decisions, there's nothing wrong. It's like but the it's stakes like, are so high because of that yeah. self-inflicted move that, like, yeah. they do. Yeah, it's, I I can totally see it. I mean, it's it's as clear as day that that they would feel like, oh shit, like, like we, every, everyone is like, something. you just traded your friend, your homegrown <laughs> franchise player. Like, you got to do something here, guys. So yeah. yeah, no, I mean, it's terrifying. We're we're on a knife's edge here. No no question about it. We are yeah. playing with fire. Like, this is a game where we either win or we lose badly. Like, there's yeah. not really going to be a middle ground. How do you feel about the current state of the NBA in that regard? Like, uh, do you feel... Uh, I, I, I feel like I've been pretty outspoken in this regard on the podcast about just the there is a toxic level of uh you know like the the transaction the 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 transactional nature of the league is getting for me a, a bit toxic yeah um, yeah but it's the it's the world we live in so it is what it is like there's yeah. almost no use complaining about it um i mean my whole know. thing from like years of of observing yes. uh you know like for my for my job i have to like kind of do the same thing but with like the world of like media and politics um which is um, even more <laughs> maddening and depressing. So I've kind of like just through self-preservation, I've kind of had to like develop this attitude of just like, this is the way it is and you can't really fight it. Because um, if you do try to fight it, you're going to just fucking like hate yourself and like be a miserable human being and all your friends are going to abandon you. So like, I I've... forget whether it was on the podcast or if us just talking, but I remember on the day of the Porzingis trade, you said it to me and it was very smart. You're like, this is the world we live in. Yeah. Like, like the days of the nineties are gone. Like there is no such thing as like loyalty in sports or for yeah. that matter, like any, you know, whether it's politics or whatever it is, like there is no such thing as loyalty anymore. So you just yeah, have to divorce There's no yourself, way to get it back. There's no way to legislate divorce it. Divorce yourself from this like romantic idea that like people are going to be loyal to some sort of like greater good because that's like gone there's yeah that's, that's not a thing anymore i mean the thing i keep coming back to and i've heard i've listened to like a lot of different people talk about this on different sides and for a while i was all like 
you know, player empowerment, player freedom. That's what it's all about. And then I was like, for a little while, I was like, kind of like swung to the other side of like, you know what? You sign a fucking contract. You should probably play out your contract. Like, that's why you have contracts. But then I kind of swung back again to be like, you know what? Teams sign contracts and then they trade players. So why does the team get, you know, the full, you know, 100% of the power there and not the player? Like... I don't know. It's sort of like I I totally get the argument and I kind of am am sympathetic to the argument of like you sign a contract, you should probably just like shut up and play and like do your job. And then, you know, or if you don't want to like sign a contract and sign a one year and then go do whatever you want, you know, in one year, like, but I also kind of realized like, well, why should it be one sided? Why should the team have all the power? Um, and, and not, you know, and the players just kind of like, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, obviously they have the power when they're a free agent, but that doesn't happen more than like two times in their career, maybe, that they're actually an unrestricted free agent and they can just choose whatever they want to do. You know, they're they're either restricted or they have, you know, whatever, they sign extensions that make the most sense because of their, you know, market value and yada, yada, and, and their agents like, you know, dictating this and that and, the, you know, the situation is what it is. So there's like really not that many, you know, times in a player's career where they actually do have full autonomy. So I'm sort of like, I don't know, why should, you know, why should the team get to do whatever they want whenever they want, not the player? So I don't know. I And again, I I also honestly think it's just a moot argument because it is what it is. And it's stupid and old fashioned to even try to say like, oh, this isn't how it should be. Because guess what? Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> You're right. You're right. You're right. I don't know what the solution is either. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think the, like... the solution, honestly, to me is just like, you know, uh, root for your team, um, you know, hope that they can kind of navigate this. Um, but also like root for players that you enjoy. Like, you know, like I I hope that, uh, I don't know, like obviously like certain players like leave in certain ways where you're like, Oh, he's a traitor. I, you know, fuck him. And that's kind of fun too, as a fan. I'm actually really looking forward to like watching KP as a, as an evil, you know, (laughs) creepy looking Eastern European movie villain. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of jazzed about that, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I think he yeah. should be uh, in, you know, maybe the next Die Hard movie. Um, and, <laughs> you uh, were immediately, you were just immediately in that camp. Like, <laughs> it literally took you, like, less, like, it took you, like, an Dude, hour. Dude, I was so ready. Most. I was so fucking ready to hate that guy. I don't know. What, I don't know why. It at most to, like, I don't know what like, it was. I don't know what it was about him. I Four years, I tried, I tried to like him. I, I really did. I, I was really like, he's my that. guy. I, I charted that progress because i remember at times like over the last couple of years trying to sell you like on the merits of dude him. you would like send me a clip or whatever like, or send me a, you'd be awesome. like yo check like, this out and i'd be like yeah. eh, i don't really have time to watch like, right doesn't, now. doesn't he remind you of like kevin garnett like when he dunks and you're like yeah i guess i don't know man i'm like yes like, i remember come on, man like yeah. you're a fucking knicks fan we gotta be in this man yeah like, you were doing guy. your best like god bless you you were really doing your best and so, i just didn't you know it's yeah. kind of it thing i can't stuck yeah i can't fake it you know the heart the heart yeah. uh, wants what it wants and um, um we talked but, earlier yeah. we were talking earlier in the week we were texting about this i want to give you like a couple minute platform here so we were talking about harden for, we were mm. talking about james harden Mm-hmm. And you, I know, we were talking about Harden versus Giannis for the MVP. Yeah. Uh, give me your pitch on why James Harden, uh, give me your pitch on James Harden's MVP case from like a purely emotional, unresearched, 
uh, a perspective, a perspective that's totally unsupported by data, but that's just like straight from the gut. Yeah. Um, what What's the case for James Harden being your MVP? Okay. Well, I want to preface this by saying I think since that that text exchange, I may have changed my oh. mind. Okay. <laughs> but well, but but I I'm do. I want to hear about that. But yeah yeah yeah. But I want to make the m- make the initial case. Um, which I also I don't know maybe actually since I just said that to you, I may have swung back Flipped. the other way. Jeez. Yeah. So um, Jeez. so James Harden is is just doing something that is so historic that I think it kind of just. Um, it kind of just supersedes like the actual, you know, kind of, like logical statistics based uh, kind of, you know, whatever, like thing. like I, I sort of just feel like it's one of those seasons where you're going to look back on it and be like, wait, they didn't give him the MVP that year. Like, I don't, yeah. you know, I don't really care what, what the hell else was happening. Like, I don't care how good his team was. I don't care, you know, what other player was doing what, like, he scored 30 points in a row for, or 30 points in a, in a game, like however, like what is it now, like 30 games in a row, 30, 25 games in a row? I don't even know He's what the streak is. He's currently averaging 36 and a half points. Yeah. He he averages six rebounds and seven and a half assists a game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, and, and it's the way that, you know, it was that, that streak in, in um, you know, in like December and January mm-hmm. where he was just putting up like, 40, 45, 60, 50. This game at the Garden, He what did he drop at the Garden? 60? 61, I believe. Yeah. I think he didn't need to like, like, tie... Uh, right, Kobe. He tied Kobe. Um, yeah, it's just kind of the th- thing. And so uh, I forget who it was. Someone on maybe the Low Post podcast made the point where MVP voters kind of break the season into three sections. Um, and there's like the beginning, uh, you know, the first like... F- two months of the season or whatever where you kind of like you're right out the gate and you're doing what you're doing and everyone's like oh wow this is the new you know uh kind of storyline and then there's the middle period kind of like the doldrums leading up to the all-star break um uh and then there's the final stretch which we're in now and Harden did uh what he did um the most incredibly and like historically like in the kind of least uh important uh middle period that people tend to kind of forget about when you're like looking back on a, on a season and like the storyline of that season. Um, and I do think that there's a, a pretty strong chance that he's going to like kind of, he's going to have to probably like slow down a little bit. I mean, especially now that Chris Paul is back and he's looking really good. And um, you know, in their last game against uh, what was the, the Lakers that, or no, it was the, the Warriors. They just beat the Warriors and Harden wasn't playing and Chris Paul had a great game. Um, so there's like, I don't think that Harden is going to finish the season on the same trajectory that he was, he's been on for the past three months or whatever it is. Um, and, but I mean, like I wish he would. And then we could just like look back on the season and just be like, well, this was ridiculous. No one has ever done this. Um, like, I don't care if he's whatever, like a one man show and his teammates hate him and it's fucking garbage basketball to watch as a fan. And his team is, you know, 40 and, you know, 45 and 37 or whatever. Like, I don't really care about that. Like, he's just doing shit that like no one's done and that probably no one, I don't know, like anyone else who could do what he does. So, uh, keep coming back to this one, um, tweet that I found, uh, this was actually back from, uh, December 25th, um, but uh, the Nylon Calculus, uh, which I don't know if you're familiar with, um, it's like a, a website uh, and a, and a um, Twitter account um, that just has like, yeah, it's just great, um, just great basketball stats and analytics and stuff. So they had this, um, they uh, did a little research and um, they looked at three-point shooting fouls drawn 
uh, from 2016 to 2019. Um, so they went back, you know, four seasons and uh, looked at the number of three-point shooting fouls drawn, meaning, you know, when you get uh, fouled shooting a three-pointer, whether or not it goes in, um, you either get three shots or you get a, you know, if you make it, you get a four-point play opportunity. Um, so they tallied the number of three-point shooting fouls drawn uh, over the course of those four years. So number five was Stephen Curry with 55, okay? Number four was Kemba Walker with 68. That's a lot. Number three was Lou Williams with 78. That's even more. Number when two, was this? this was, um, so this tweet uh, is was back on December 25th uh, of last year. Oh, okay. Um, this is from, but, but this is from uh, uh, fouls drawn on threes ever? Yeah. No, no, no. Sorry. Over the course of, uh, from 2016 to 2019. Oh, so okay. 2016, 17, and 18. Those uh, gotcha, three, gotcha, three gotcha, full, gotcha. full years. Yep, yep, yep. So Curry's at 55, Kemba's at 68, Lou Williams 78, Damian Lillard comes in at number two with 81. And you're like, wow, that's a lot. You know, I'm, uh, uh, you know, obviously we're all figuring Harden is number one. You know, he's probably number one by a long shot. Like, what is it, like 100 or something like that? Or like 150? No, James Harden is number one with 225. Oh my God. And the tweet says, James Harden has found a loophole big enough to drive a truck through. Oh my God. And you're kind of, you look at that and you're sort of like, and it made me think of um, uh, sort of a, another like you know ridiculous silly take, but one that I that I'm like kind of coming around to in my head, which is that James Harden, to me, kind of feels a little bit like the basketball player equivalent of Sam Hinkie. Tell me if you follow me at all. Um, Sam Hinkie, you know, found a loophole. He kind of found he's like an, breaking he, the system. He found an inefficiency in the system, yeah. and he was yeah. like, oh, I can exploit that. It's within the rules of the game. But if I just do this way more aggressively and kind of like more shamelessly than anyone if else I is do, doing it, I'm I can a statistical advantage. Yeah, I can actually gain an advantage, and everyone else will be like, "Oh, what the hell is that guy doing? That's not fair. That's bullshit." But it's within the rules, and that's kind of what Harden is doing. Um, and yeah, it's not fun to watch. I mean, I don't know unless you get off on like a dude, you know, breaking the fucking game that he's playing and like you know finding a cheat code. Um, but, like, to me, it's sort of just like, okay, he's the guy that did that. Like, no one else uh, is is doing that. And obviously, then I think about Giannis. And I think about, you know, the the team that he has. Um, I mean, God, they're really good. And they're, like, you know, it's a team, like, perfectly constructed and built around him. But without him, I don't know, what is that team? Like, 500? Um, mm-hmm. And they're the, you know the top record in the league and uh I, I believe right are they better than the warriors right now yeah yeah um, they're the best record in the league and um and you know he's just going out and you know you watched him the other night and you just texted me and you're just like he's incredible um and anytime you watch him you're just like well right he's breaking the game too because he can actually do whatever the fuck he wants like he can just run into the paint and dunk it um kind of whenever he wants and then on top of that now he's like shooting a higher three-point percentage um he obviously can handle the ball and pass like a point guard. Uh, he's got the highest like rebound percentage, I think, in, or the second highest in the league. Like he's, there's literally no, and he's a great defensive player, which James Harden is not. Um, there are no, there are like literally like as long as the three point shooting kind of like improves a little bit, there are simply no holes in the, in his game, um, which is, you know, it's just mind boggling. Um and uh yeah so like then i'm I like well case, shit <laughs> yeah the case for Giannis seems to be 
a team accomplishment. You know, I mean, like uh, statistically, right. he's out of this world, obviously. But yeah. like the the strongest case for Giannis is he's the best player on the team on the best that team has, that has the best record in the league. Right. They're better than the Warriors, they, and he's not the best player on the best team. He's the like absolute like without him that team is nothing like he's not like a little bit better than the second best player like he's yes you know he's like an absolute like he's a, he's a sun in that solar system like yes. he's just like everything and also like i feel like the case for his mvp winning the mvp is also kind of like rewarding the 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 like the, the changes that have been made in milwaukee like they brought mm-hmm. in a new coach mm-hmm. they changed the system it just feels like they went all in on Budenholzer's system. They brought in Brooke Lopez, all these sharpshooters, you know, Ilya Sova. Yeah. They, now Miritich, they acquired Miritich yeah. now. They have DiVincenzo. And yeah, it's Conatan a perfectly built team. Guys. It's like flawless. Chris Middleton's playing great. So it does kind of feel like almost like they're rewarding the success of the whole organization by giving Giannis the MVP. And, and the case with Harden is truly an individual one, which is... Maybe maybe oversimplifying things a little bit because frankly, I remember doing a podcast with my friend Jeff in the end of December, early January, when I, you know, screamed that the Rockets sucked. You know, mm-hmm. like, like <laughs> literally two months ago, the Rockets were in tenth or twelfth place in in the West, and they were completely out of the playoff picture. And mm-hmm. it just, I I was thrilled. I was thrilled that they sucked. And Harden at that point, like around Christmas time, put the team on his back and yeah. just turned into this, you know, machine. Yeah. And the Rockets are now fifth in the West. They're right on the heels of the Trailblazers for the fourth seed. And um, you know, like it's 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 a it's a feat, like what he's done for the team as well. So right, that's um, the thing. Like obviously, it's a one man show, but he his team was actually winning. Like he right. was if you're, doing, if you're and he was doing that like out of absolute necessity yeah exactly if you're giving Giannis the MVP because of what he's done for his team you can make the argument that what James Harden did for his team is just as valuable if not more valuable yeah yeah I don't know man it's definitely like you know as tight as the as like some of the playoff races are I feel like the MVP race is uh maybe like the most interesting thing I mean I don't know not the most interesting things obviously the most interesting thing is like who wins the actual championship but like this MVP race is pretty fucking epic like it's, yeah, it's pretty incredible it's fascinating for sure yeah. um before i let you go what um i'm curious what you think about the bottom of the western conference and how it's shaping up the race for the seventh and eighth seeds um how do you handicap this so currently the sixth seed is the jazz the seventh seed is the spurs the eighth seed is the clippers and the kings lakers and t wolves are all vying for that last spot Mm. Um, do you, how do you, how do you handicap it? Do you, uh, do you see it going one way or the other right now? I mean, gosh, (laughs) I feel like the Lakers, I mean, I don't know. They just lost last night, uh, to who they lose to last night. They lost to the, they lost in disappointing fashion to the Pelicans, the Pelicans. Anthony Davis's Pelicans. That's right. Yeah. Not Anthony Davis's because he did not play. Oh. Um, so very disappointing, uh, to lose to that team, which is in complete disarray. I mean, maybe they would have actually won if AD had played because he like, I think they've there, I saw some stat recently where like 
they've actually won they, they've like literally like won like the last like four games that he's sat um or like played fewer than 20 minutes um and then when he like plays he i don't know has a deleterious effect um so i don't know like there's a you know again it's sort of like you can't you can't vote against or um you know bet against lebron until until he's actually not made the playoffs for the first time in 15 years or whatever it is so i kind of just feel like you know the kings are obviously really fun uh all the hipsters want to see them make the playoffs and play the warriors but like you know what give it a you know give it a year like they'll still be good next year um I think it's a little early. It's a little, they're obviously playing a little over their heads and I just don't quite see them, I don't know, hanging on and, and, and actually like buckling down when the uh, rubber hits the road. Um, I sort of feel like they're, I mean, yeah, they're playing with like nothing to lose and they're all like loosey goosey and that's uh, re- usually, usually a recipe for, for victory. But like, I don't know, man, I think it's going to, they're going to tighten up a little bit when it's really like, Oh, well, you have to win this game. Um, because they're so young, and um, I don't know, you know, I, like LeBron. Uh, I guess when is Rondo coming back? Or no, not Rondo. Sorry, Lonzo. Rondo's back. Lonzo, when's Lonzo coming back? So, he's really important to that team. No, so Lonzo people, was slated. People think he's not good at basketball. I'm telling you, he's no, really, he, really goddamn important. He's very good. Um, Lonzo is slated to miss four to six weeks, and mm. he is now around the six-week mark. Oh, is he and, really? And yeah, so he has a bone. Br- they discover that he now has like a bone bruise. Mm. I think like within the within his ankle or something. I, I not don't great. Fully under. Basically, like he's going to require more time than initially expected. So, um, I don't know, man. Like, are we are we so sure that the Spurs are going to make the playoffs? Uh no, or they the just jazz? lost the they the just lost the New York Knicks, um, who are not trying to win basketball games. Yeah, so I, is um, it possible that the Kings, Kings and Lakers, and, get in? and Lakers make the playoffs, or the Kings and Clippers, or the Lakers and Clippers all make the playoffs? I mean, it's definitely possible. They're all within like four games, right? Um, I the, mean, the, the Kings, the sixth seed to the tenth seed. Or right. the, even the 11th seed, the, the, well, the Timberwolves aren't going to make it. I mean, I'm okay, sorry. Okay, yeah, we're going to cross off the Timberwolves. Yeah, I love Cat and all, but yeah, it's yeah, not happening. But there are four games that separate the Lakers and the Jazz, and the Jazz right. are the sixth seed. And yeah. so it's Jazz, Spurs, Clippers, Clippers Kings, Kings, Lakers. Lakers. Five teams for, two, for three spots. Right. Yeah, it's pretty up in the air. I don't know. I don't know if the Clippers are going to do it because they don't really have the, you know, the, the drive after the Toby trade, but... But also, they're like even despite that trade, they're still very competent. <laughs> like yeah. they're so I... deep that they're still like pretty good. And I think that they're not certainly they're not like the players in the and Doc Rivers are certainly not going to tank the end of the season. Yeah. Um. So I think they're sneaky, man. I think they're. I think the Clippers are going to make it. I don't see Doc Rivers taking his foot off the gas. I know people, you know, people are like, oh, they t- they traded Tobias Harris, you know. Clearly, right, they, there's a draft pick that they keep if they miss the playoffs. Right, clearly um, they want their draft pick. Clearly they're not invested in making the playoffs. I don't know. I kind of see it the other way around. I actually think that, first of all, if they make the playoffs, if they make the playoffs, the... So if they miss the playoffs, they what happens? They keep their pick? Yeah, because I, th- I think it's lottery protected. It's lottery protected, right. So they keep their pick, and then their 2020 pick would go to 
Boston, which is also lottery protected. And if that doesn't convey, then they would send like a 2022 second round pick or something to the Celtics. So I don't know. I kind of think that Steve Ballmer and Doc Rivers and the vets on those team, you know, between Gallinari, Pat Beverly, Lou Williams, I just think they're going to go for it. I think, and I think it would mean something to them if they snuck a playoff if, if they got into the playoffs ahead of the Lakers yeah I, I don't think there's any true. doubt that they wow I never steal. even actually considered that that little like Dude, yeah that hometown rivalry I forgot about but that think of it like this I think they want to go into free agency into their mm. free agency summer and try to sell Kawhi or Kevin Durant I'm like yeah why would you want to play for the Lakers they're kind of like a shit show right and we're the sneaky savvy team yeah that made the playoffs with, with these an, scrappy guys, yeah, with an accomplished, uh, you know, head coach, accomplished and, yeah. head coach, who's, and like an who's actual won like a championship. Bench. Jerry yeah. Jerry West is in our front office. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think they're gonna kind of make a push to, uh, you know, steal that eighth seed. So I'm I'm banging on the Clippers making it, and then you know I'm not. I think it's a coin toss between the Kings and the Lakers. I mean, that sounds crazy to count out LeBron James, but. That team right now is, they got some issues. Can you imagine if Kawhi chooses the Clippers this summer, which is not out of the realm of possibility by any means. No, um, no. And the Lakers. It almost to me feels a little bit more likely than the Lakers. And what if the Lakers strike out? What if they, what if like it just kind of like this whole like grand scheme that LeBron had just kind of like peters out and suddenly it's like the clippers are the better t- like better than lebron's los angeles lakers like can you imagine that like that's insane I mean, it seems unlikely it seems unlikely but y- y- i i uh, it, I, I find i find it hard to believe that someone isn't going to want to play with lebron james on you know the yankees of, right. of the nba right but i don't know man like they're du- they're if I was Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard, who is a quiet, you know, understated guy, mm-hmm. seems more like a Clipper than a Laker to me. He definitely does. Yeah, it's totally a Kawhi move to go to the Clippers. Yeah, um, and I'm not. I mean, all indications are that Kevin Durant is interested in signing with the Knicks, or maybe he, or maybe he resigns with Golden State. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, there, there is a there is a scenario wherein like the Lakers strike out this summer. Yeah. I just think it'd be amazing if it like because when the Clippers were good, like the Lob City era, the Lakers were never really like. Was there ever a season when they were like butting heads in the playoffs? There wasn't, right? No, I mean, like by the time Lob City came on, like Kobe Lob was C- retiring, right? Yeah, Lob City. I think if I remember correctly, Lob City uh, sort of overlapped with uh, the Dwight, Steve Nash, Kobe. Oh, Lakers. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, so and they then were Kobe, a train wreck. Yeah, then Kobe tore his Achilles, and then it was like the Kobe retirement tour. Yeah. So, yeah. That's kind of fun to think about, actually. I mean, just like imagine the Clippers and the Lakers, like, 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 you know, a four or five seat or something like that, like, yeah, you know, in, in future years. Like, that's kind of fun, actually. I'm pretty excited yeah. about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Damn, yeah. I don't know. Basketball is good. There's there's so much basketball so is many story storylines. Yeah. Can we talk quickly? Um yeah. just I, w- I would love to pick your brain. Um Zion, the NCAA. Yes. What are we, what are we thinking here? What's going um, on? How how do we fix this mess? So I think the big question is, you know, 
is Zion Williamson. I know you have an opinion about this, but I'll ask the question. It's not about. very. It's not very fully formed. So I'm. I'm. I'm going to see the floor to you. Yeah. Uh, the question I think we need to debate aloud is: Is Zion Williamson better off not playing another game for Duke and just focusing on the NBA draft, or should he, you know? go full speed with his rehab and try to get back on the court as soon as possible. Like, mm-hmm. does he have anything to gain by getting back on the court for Duke? He's the consensus number one overall pick. If he never plays another game for the rest of the season, he's going to be the number one, number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the, you know, like what are the merits in him like coming back? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think, li- listen, like, when was that game against UNC on Saturday on on Thursday night, Friday night, whenever it was? Yeah. I texted you. Yeah, I yeah, texted it you. Like this... uh, it, it was the it was the it was it was Wednesday night because it was the last night before the NBA yeah, came back. That's what it was. We were texting. Yeah. I was like, "Damn, I wish there was something for you to watch." Can, wait, like, wait. Well, can I ask you? Was that the yeah. first uh, uh, college basketball game? You was that the first Zion game you tuned into live this season? Um, that was the first Zion game. That was the first like appointment theater Zion game. I okay. had I had stumbled into it. You'd couple seen Zion him in passing. Games. Got it. Got I've it. seen him in passing where it was like because eh, I imagine I, for like a lot of basketball yes. like NBA fans that they were like, all right, I haven't really Dude. you know I don't follow NCAA. I'll I'll watch this one game because it's all Duke UNC my, and there's all, no other basketball on because it's the night uh, you know the last night of the All Star break and I can't imagine how many people were like, okay, I'll watch one NCAA basketball game and then that happened. Dude, every Knicks fan, every Knicks fan friend of mine, like, sent me the same message. They were like, oh, "All right, baby, like, yeah. like tonight's the night." <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was like the NBA ain't back. I can't watch nothing but Zion. Let's fucking go. Yeah, and yeah. I was right there. Like, I was in the same headspace where I was like, "I'm dying for a basketball game." I wish, I wish the the NBA was back, but the one, yeah. the one like little solace we have is Zion is on national TV, and this mm-hmm. basically is an NBA game for one Duke night. Duke UNC, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so of course Zion goes down in the first like 10, 20 seconds of of the game. He mm-hmm. splits his shoe. He's wearing he busts, the, he fucking busts through his shoe. Yeah, <laughs> his entire wearing, foot goes through his shoe, which he's is, wearing you know, the I'm Paul sure George. a normal he's, thing that happens with normal basketball players all the time. He's wearing Paul George's signature shoe. Yeah, his which is foot, built for a guy who yeah. is Paul George's size and weight, um, right? N- not and built for Zion Williamson. Just busts through the sole of the shoe, twists his knee, and uh, is hobbled, limps off the court, goes straight to the locker room, and. Of course, like my my phone just like exploded. <laughs> and it was like every friend of mine was watching this. They're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um Yeah, man. I um thoughts, reactions on the whole thing. I mean, it just I mean, listen, the NCAA sucks. I d I I don't like I, I think we can probably begin there. Like yeah. it's 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 exploitative. Like yeah. these kids, like these kids should be getting paid. Um, I mean, it, it's definitely exploitative for some players. Like, I definitely kind of, you know, again, I've tried, I've been tried, I've like actually been like, like actively yeah. trying to like listen to like other sides of this yes. argument um, yes. to like figure out where I fall. And Stand. yeah, I definitely get that for, you know, actually the vast majority of these players who won't ever be in the NBA, it's a pretty good system. Yes. Um, but it's a system that is com- completely failing, you know, the top 
five percent or whatever. So the NBA, uh, and part of the problem here is the NBA. The NBA has a nineteen-year-old age minimum, mm-hmm. so you can't enter the NBA draft until you're nineteen years old. So kids, you know, graduating high school are kind of left a choice. They have one year. Like, what am I going to do for this year? I can, you know, I can go to Europe or China, play over there, or I can play in college. Um, and I guess, uh, is it starting next year? Kids will have the option of, of joining the, the G League. Is that correct? Yeah, I think so. And then okay. they, the NBA, just I think like the, um, the Players Association just submitted a proposal, right, for the, the lowering of the, of the age limit in like that's 2022, right. I think. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, so, I mean, that's part of the issue right there, which is that, you know, Zion Williamson should have been eligible for the NBA draft if that's what mm-hmm. he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but that wasn't available to him. So, I mean, it sucks. I mean, I, I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, like, you know, the NCAA, Duke, they're all profiting off this kid. Um, you know, like they're they're printing money off, off Zion. And, you know, he has this devastating injury on national TV. It was like pretty pretty traumatic to watch as a Knicks yeah. fan um yeah. but hopefully he's gonna be okay uh it sounds like a mild mild knee sprain yeah it's a grade one sprain it's like a what like a two to four week timetable we're looking at or something which would put him um back on the court potentially uh just in time for march madness if he were you know so so inclined to do that and i so Here's the thing. I think the NCAA is stupid. I haven't watched a game since, I don't know, 2004 when UConn won with like a Mecca Okafor. Um, go UConn Huskies. And um, I like don't really, th- yeah, I don't know. I think Zion should, well, first of all, you know, it's uh, obligatory to say Zion should do whatever he wants to do. Um, and, um, you know, whatever makes him happy. But, you want to see him in March Madness. There's you? a part of me, yeah. I know all right, you thank you for Thank you for <laughs> yeah. picking up on that. There's a yeah. part of me that's like, all right, the argument that I have heard you from some people, which is that like. for like a Final Four game. Dude, so listen, there's some, <laughs> yeah. there's, some, there's some bozos out there who are like, you know what? Duke has actually given a lot to Zion Williamson. His, you know, stature and status and his name has really like, you know, skyrocketed it's thanks. Just, to, like, just, guess, guess what? Yeah. Guess what? I was watching this dude on YouTube in high yeah. school. Yeah. I was going to continue watching him on YouTube mm-hmm. wherever the fuck he was, whether it right. was a blacktop in Idaho or, right. you know, the G League or yep. fucking, you know, uh, Duke University or Harvard or wherever the South hell he Carolina, went. South Carolina, all Europe, the that he was thinking Australia. Of yep, I don't yep, give yep, a shit yep. where he is. I was going to be following him. I mean, maybe there's like some casual fans who like didn't know about him until he was on Duke, but... Um, those people are dumb and I don't care about them. So, uh, I don't really buy that argument. However, there's like a part of me that like, if he actually like plays really well and becomes a national champion, there is like, he's going to go number one overall, no matter what. Um, even if this had been a devastating, like two year injury, he probably still would have gone number one. Yeah. My argument Um, with this is Embiid. It's like, yeah, yeah. You know, so that's not like Embiid is the test case. It's like, just remember Andrew Wiggins and Jabari Parker, went one and two ahead of Joel Embiid who had an injury, a foot injury. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, like the Sixers have zero regrets about having to wait basically two years to get Joel Embiid on the court. Zero regrets. Of course. Yeah. 
so there's like a part of me that's like this doesn't matter. Obviously, he should he should just sit and and uh, and you know conserve his body and and uh, you know just pre- prepare for the next step. Um, but but he's so awesome and so like mythical at this point that there's a part of me that's like I kind of think that if he if he just like went out there and like dominated and won a national championship like Carmelo style in yeah. one year. Um, and and then went to the NBA. Like, there's a little part of me that's like that would be kind of cool. There's Even though mystique. I don't there's really give a shit, and it doesn't yeah. matter. Uh, you know, like kind of logically, like in my heart, I'm kind of like that would be pretty badass. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't really know what I want. Um, it's tough to you know. Again, obviously, it's just like whatever he wants is the right decision. Um, but but yeah, like I don't know. I don't like how. So tell me. In Europe, with all those European leagues like Luca played in, they just don't like. Did he? Did Luca like never went to school? Right? He was just a pro at like age fourteen. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, um, I don't. I, I'm not. I, I don't know enough about European basketball, but I'm pretty sure that like Ricky Rubio was playing in like the Spanish. Oh yeah, like pre like, like pre pubescent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I absolutely. think it's like it's the same as like child actors in the United States. <laughs> like you just get like a tutor. <laughs> yeah, like as long as you're like you're not playing like After Dark, you're you're cool. Yeah, it's like Macaulay Culkin just like <laughs> like had like tutors at the age of six, and they just like shoved him in movies with John Candy. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how it works there, but I just feel like there should be a model that just kind of like makes more sense where, you know, there's just more freedom, like less regulation. Like, I don't know. I'm usually not like a big like free market capitalist over here, but but there's like a part of me that's like, let's just like kind of loosen everything. And, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of players that would still go to college and want to do, you know, two years or three years or four years. Um and maybe know, that might actually help the college game. I, like, if there were, like, fewer, like, major superstars and there were more, like, oh, this guy's really good. Like, he'll be, like, pro-ready, in, you know, after his senior year. And, like, I'm sure plenty of, like, great players would still come through that system. I've but then the for, like, argument, the 1%. Yeah. I've heard the argument that makes a little sense to me that's, like, well, what about what – what, what, um, what if we stopped finding – uh, and suspending and regulating players for doing things like signing with agents and signing shoe contracts. Right. You know, well, what the I mean? whole like the, the name and likeness thing is the one I I really can't get over. I mean, like, right? We don't have to do like a like a player salary. Like, I don't know how that would work. Dividing right. it, yada yada. But the name and likeness, like, you can't. You know, the NCAA dictates you can't make you can't profit at all off of your name and likeness. So the, there can't be any college players in commercials or with shoe deals or whatever. But like. Or in but video if, games, but but, but Duke's like but why college, not? It, <laughs> but wait, yeah, but, right, right. But, but why like Duke can sell like jerseys? They can sell yeah. like Zion Williams and jerseys, and Zion doesn't see any. Oh, of oh, that. oh! Like the university can obviously profit off the of name course. and likeness, but not the right, play. But right, so right. that's the one rule where I'm like, forget all the other. Like you know, it's it's a it's complicated. I understand it's a very big complicated problem. Uh, you know, I'm not naive like yeah. to think that I can, I would, you know, it's just like an obvious solution. But that's the one thing where I'm just like, I don't see what the other side of that argument is. Like the NCAA understand. is just like, oh, we're not in that business. Like we don't, we don't do yeah. it like that. Like what? No, why not? Like these they kids sh- can like they need to evolve. They like yeah. the world. The world has definitely changed. I for one like like if Nike wanted to pay Zion a hundred million dollars, and and Zion was like, great. I'll take that, but also I would like to play a year in college. I think those two things should be able to exist at the same yeah. time. Yeah, 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I heard, uh, I heard someone on, on like a, like some, uh, like writer and if it or was, columnist. If it was above board, you know, if it was above board, then Zion could freely do what he wanted. Like there wouldn't be any sort of, there wouldn't be like corporations pushing Zion to go to certain schools. I mean, that was the whole thing underlying the FBI investigation of Louisville and Rick Pitino was that like, apparently mm. there was some corroboration between Pitino's coaching staff at Louisville and Adidas that mm-hmm. like Adidas was some sort of like funnel organization to sending people to Louisville. Mm. Um, but if it was all above board, you know, if Zion, if Nike was like, Hey, we're going to, Hey Zion, we're going to pay you a hundred million dollars regardless of where you want to go to school. So just pick wherever you want to go to school. We're cool with whatever you want to do. That right. makes sense to me. And he has this, you know, he gets the security of some, you know, financial stability. But right, also, maybe. like, he gets to play in college, which is something yeah. he wants to and do. And maybe he stays at Duke for two or three years then because right. he has money and he's not yeah. desperate to, like, you know, provide for his family or whatever the case may be right. for an individual player. Right. Um, and, yeah. And he could just be like, hey, actually, I'm 20 years old and I actually just want to be a college student for a little bit. And I want to have that experience. And I know the pros are waiting for me. And, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's fucked up, man. But yeah, yeah, got uh, got so, speed. You you want to see him come back for March Madness? I, know <sighs> I don't know. I, I mean, know. You, you it's not like I'm gonna watch. I still, I mean, I will. You know, I don't know. I'll probably try to tune in because it's not like he's. It's a testament to his, uh, you know, rarity that like he might be the one player that's gonna make me care about college basketball again for the first time in like 20 years. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's a little part of me that like maybe kind of wants it but i also obviously like fuck the ncaa i don't give a shit about them and i want him just to be good and ready and healthy for you know the the big leagues baby so i have a question my last question for you is this after zion got hurt on that wednesday night game yeah did you did you you stick with the game or did you like flip over to a movie um i actually wasn't watching it uh in the first place um i forget what i was doing that night but i was you know uh, i was busy or something but yeah i i mean obviously i don't care (laughs) that much about college basketball it's so sad because there Uh, are like probably five there were probably like five pros playing that night yeah probably like oh i can guarantee 10 players in the if i had been watching after that injury i absolutely 100 percent would have switched over to a movie or just turned it off and yeah I will say, <laughs> I will say that I was so I was so pissed. I watched for five minutes. Oh wait, um, was that the night that you turned that you put on the Steve Francis documentary? Yes. <laughs> yes. I was so pissed. You watched a goddamn sports century. Man, that is that's low. Yeah, dude. I was in a <laughs> Not like place. not like uh, you know, a thirty for thirty. You watched a sports century. Oh dude, man. Uh, you were jonesing. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what's YouTube got for me? Let me yeah. pick a player. What's going on with Steve Francis? I think I I'll take fifty minutes of Steve Francis's life story on YouTube. Yeah. yeah oh yeah. man. Not not oh. not like a real uh, you know, hard hitting doc either. Just a fucking no. sports Fourth century. It's oh my a God. fluff piece on fucking yeah. Francis. Which, by the way, I don't know if you have you have you watched Finding Honest yet. No. Oh, Tell us about God. that real quick. Yeah. I don't know. It's not uh, whatever. It's we not worth we can talk time. about it once you. No, you should definitely watch it, and then we can talk about it. I won't. What am I gonna like? What What will I really learn that I need to know? So, like, you know, Do that I learn about him in Greece. 
I assume you saw that little like Twitter video that was the I guess it was like a an outtake or an edited um out yeah, uh, segment that was about the Knicks, him, but the Knicks except yeah. the Knicks. Yeah. So that is more informed that like th- one minute long video is more informative than the rest of the documentary. Um which also I think was has since been debunked, right? Uh, I think I read that some the Knicks did send someone to Greece or something or like someone was like no 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 I was a scout. I worked for the guy who went or whatever. Um, so I don't even know if that's true. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We didn't draft him, so, um, sucks for us. But, um, yeah, no, that's fine. It's basically a commercial for Giannis and his agent. Uh, all right. Any last thoughts before I let you go? We are 20, 25 games away from the playoffs. Man. Um, if the playoffs started today, the Bucks, Raptors, and Pacers would be the top three seeds in the East. In the West, it would be the Warriors, Nuggets, and Thunder. The Pacers. Yeah, At some man. point, we have to talk about the Pacers. Not right now, but I know. man, yeah, they're scrappy. they're they're a story. Yeah, I mean, and the Nets. I know you like love the Nets. I love um, the Nets, man. Oh, here's so the last. If the playoffs oh, sorry, started what? today, the Raptor. I mean, the uh, the Nets and the Pacers would be playing each other in the first round, which would to me is like appointment theater. That would be an incredible series. Wow, you're right. Yeah, dude. If the playoffs started today, the Sixers and Celtics would play each other in the first round. How incredible. crazy is that? Incredible. That's so, insane. The East. The East, I mean, I'm stating the obvious here. Every basketball podcast in America has said this at this point, but the East is, like, what everyone is interested in. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Of course. In terms of, like, first-round playoffs, all the interesting Mm -hmm. matchups are in the East. Um, If I could have one thing other than uh, Mitchell Robinson wearing goggles in games, um, (laughs) it would be for the Orlando Magic to make the playoffs. (laughs) Yeah. Why? You You want Vucevic on the big stage, right? I want Vuce, and I want... My man, Johnny Isaac. Oh, baby. Dude, I, I love this fella yeah. uh, out, of, out of Florida yeah. named John Isaac. Um, he's Some a player. Summer he's a baller. I, I want to see him, I I see him in the playoffs. League. Yeah. Like his yeah. game quite a bit. Yeah. Well, what, Mo Bamba went down. All of a sudden, he was getting all, Isaac was just getting more reps. And uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know playing. if it really, it's funny. I guess it coincided with that. Although he was getting plenty of, plenty of run before Bamba went down. I, I don't know. It was like something that just kind of happened with his confidence or something, or some threes started falling. I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. He was getting <laughs> he was, plenty of playing time all season. He was doing jack shit until like a month ago, and then just suddenly remembered how to play. Can you remind me of... <laughs> Is Jonathan Isaac the uh, preacher? Yes, yes, he is a preacher, um, devout, devout Christian. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, uh, famously uh, delivered a sermon. His actual, right. his first sermon uh, in his rookie season, which was last year, uh, invited uh, his entire team to mm-hmm. attend. Um, not a single teammate of his showed what? up to this to wait, the sermon. Wait, wait. Jonathan Isaac was Jonathan, a rookie. Jonathan Isaac Jonathan, um, wait, got wait, up wait. the courage. Jonathan Isaac, who is a ordained pastor, was yeah. giving a sermon and invited all of his teammates to come. And no it was his first up. sermon. It was the first time he was, you know, getting up uh, on the stage in front of the congregation to speak. Um, and you know, it wasn't. He's a he's a pretty shy kid. Um, yeah. Obviously, he's a rookie, so he's um, which is not easy for a lot of a lot of people. Uh, but he had the courage to actually, you know, reach out uh, as a human to his teammates and say, hey, this is a thing that's important to me that I'm going to be doing off the basketball court, not basketball related. But, you know, you're my teammate. I care about you. I hope you care about me. 
I want to show you this other side of myself. I want to, I want to kind of, you know, reveal or, um, or, you know, kind of express the side, uh, of, of me. So come to my church and listen to me, um, deliver a sermon. And, uh, he invited the entire team, not a single teammate of his showed up. Dude, and, what, um, what a fucking power move. Imagine, <laughs> imagine wait. if you were a goddamn pastor and you were on a professional sports team and uh-huh. everyone else, and and like, like you were just holier than everyone else on the team. Like, do you think that's you what could, it was? Do you, think, do you think they were intimidated? That's why they didn't show I up, or no were they just like doubt. assholes? I have no doubt that they're really? totally. Yeah, I have no doubt they're totally intimidated, dude. This guy can fucking marry people. He can like absolve <laughs> you of your sins. He can help you get into heaven or hell. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, they were. They were. They're a little intimidated of him. So yes. they weren't just bad teammates. They were like, fuck. Like, I can't. I. This guy is just like he's too. He's too he's good a, for me. Yes, dude. He's like a spiritual guru. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I yeah. never magic. really the sort Orlando of magic. Yeah. Contemplated yeah. that's that angle. I was just like, oh, this team is garbage. They're full of a bunch of assholes who don't care about their teammate. No, uh, I, but I think they're like maybe. I never saw it from the other side. Wow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> think about it, man. Think about if one of your coworkers was a fucking pastor. Like, yo, come come hear me preach, my son. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm not your son. <laughs> like, imagine if you heard him preach, and then, and then the next night you were just in a game together, and you're like debating whether or not to pass him the ball. You'd be like, <laughs> "Fucking hey, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna go to fucking hell if I don't give him the shot." <laughs> you know what I mean? Obviously, like if you're, wow. if you're like, yeah, if you're like, or steer- wait, how yeah. about this? What if you go, you attend, you listen to him, and you're like just incredibly deeply struck. You're like, oh my god, those words, Are like you- just <laughs> like like you know, they just like right. spoke to me. Right. I felt that to my core. Right. And then you go out the next night, and he shoots like one of six from three. Or he's three. like not hustling on. Deep. Yeah, and he's just a kind of a <laughs> shit like, player. You're like, wait, you're was like, all that? Did that? Yeah, that, you're like Isaac. Yo, Isaac, uh, you're a spiritual inspiration, yeah. but I need you to hustle on D over here, man. <laughs> like, did those words like not? Do they not have as much resonance if he's like not? If he's not knocking down his jumpers, if he's not like getting some getting some blocks on D. Incredible! Wow, that's a really incredible, incredible. really good question. I never right. never thought about that side of it, dude. On that note, I think we should call it uh, a probably. Night. This is yeah. a lot of fun. BC, <laughs> is there anyone you want to give a shout out to? I feel like we need to shout out to Bobon. We need to shout out. To oh, Toby. shout out Bobon shout out toby harris um shout out their friendship shout out philadelphia it's a great city everyone should move here um obviously i like new york too but philly is a great town philly's a great there's no there's no need for a rivalry folks they're both good cities well thanks for hopping on the pod man i will be down in fishtown before long and uh love nothing more yeah Yeah. when i come down i'll be bringing the whole pod set up we'll we'll have a uh We'll have an epic pod in, in, in person at your place. So thanks for Fucking having me on the pod, man. This is a lot of fun. Chris, a pleasure as always. Thank you so much for having me. All right. I'll talk to you soon. What a treat. All right. That was the chat with Ben Craw. My name's Chris Wendell, and This is On The Line. You can tweet at me at OnTheLine underscore pod. Find me on Instagram. Email me at OnTheLinePod at gmail.com. Check out previous episodes at OnTheLinePodcast.com. Rate, review, subscribe to the show and Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. Enjoy watching the NBA, and I will talk to you guys next week.